Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. I'm Lindsay Mayland. I'm your editor host for today for the special editor show. And today we're going to be talking about some quilting trends, what we saw that was hot at Quilt Market. We're going to be talking about some behind-the-scenes things from Quilt Sampler magazine and talk about some fun mini-quilts and pre-cut stuff from the newest issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. So I am here with three of our staff members, so I will let them introduce themselves. I'm Jody Sanders, and I'm the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting. I'm Lisa Schumacher, and I'm the editor of Quilt Sampler. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Stumbo, and I'm the assistant art director for American Patchwork and Quilting. Perfect. So we are going, we are, we've been back about a month now. Gosh, it feels like just yesterday we were at Quilt Market, but we've been back about a month, um, and it is something we go to twice a year. So we wanted to do a little bit of a recap of why our staff goes to Quilt Market and kind of what new trends we saw. So Jody, why don't you let us know a little bit about why we go? Right. International Quilt Market is uh, held in different cities in the spring so this year we went to st louis and then the fall market is in houston and then they have festival after that so the spring market is just market it is a show only for um quilt shop owners is the primary market for this so you have your quilt shop owners that are coming and they're looking for fabrics and new trends and new designers and as magazines what we're doing is we are looking for those same things so we're looking for the hot new designers the new fabrics that are coming out the new tools the new techniques so that we can bring them to you in the pages of our magazines and on our facebook live and our podcasts so our kind of whole 360 approach wherever you're getting your quilting information from uh, we want you to be able to get it from us and so we're here to check out those trends um, each of our staff kind of has a different role when they go to market so for example a lot of the editors are meeting with fabric companies and individual designers and maybe elizabeth you can talk a little bit on the art, on the art side what you guys are looking for what you're doing while you're at market sure yeah um, i spend a lot of time at market just walking the floor um, a lot of times our editors are in important meetings and So I have the chance to get to see a lot and report back on that. Um, So I'm doing exactly what Jody said, looking for those trends, spending time connecting with um, past designers and contributors to our magazine, um, just building those relationships, and then also looking for new designers, and also just getting a ton of inspiration for myself, maybe even those um, inspiration come in the form of photography ideas for a way to photograph quilts in our pages of our magazine and just to kind of see what's on trend so we are always on top of things. And one of the things that we do at Spring Market is we introduce our quilt sampler shops and we have actually the quilts that are in Quilt Sampler Magazine in our booth so the quilt shop owners get to see the ones that are in the magazine and up close and they can really take a look at and also recognize those shop owners and Lisa you were the MC or the hostess for our kind of unveiling this year. So maybe you can tell uh, listeners a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. Um, spring market is always exciting for our group because the spring-summer issue of Quilt Sampler hits newsstands right before we go to market. So it's always a big celebration at our spring market, and we invite um 
former quilt sampler shop owners, shops that have been featured before, as well as the shop owners um, for the spring, summer, and upcoming fall, winter issues. So we make an announcement and celebrate the shops and their owners and really, you know, get to know um, the owners, which is great because a lot of the work that we do is over the phone or via email, via email, but it's really wonderful to make that personal connection. One of the things that I thought was really fun, too, was one of the uh, owners did a Facebook Live. Oh, and yeah. it was so fun to, when her name was announced and her shop was announced, and we actually kind of parade their quilts through the audience there. And it was so exciting to see uh, how exuberant she was and to be able to share that with, with her customers back home who obviously weren't at market but uh, could see and share in her excitement. So yeah. that was really fun. Yeah, especially because we asked the fall, the um, owners, that are featured in the upcoming fall-winter issue. We ask them to keep the announcement a secret until we kind of unveil all the shops at Quilt Market. So that was um, their big way of sharing with their customers and their Facebook audience of their exciting news. And I think it's so fun to see those shop owners getting to meet each other and talk about their shared experiences and um, just how much fun it was to see them interacting together and just yeah, sharing um, the excitement. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the actual trends that we saw, too, since that's we kind of give you an introduction about what we do as a staff when we're at market. But maybe we can talk about, um, maybe let's start with color. Anybody want to jump in? Lindsay, you want to talk about color that you saw that you thought was really interesting or maybe new? Yeah, so not new. Um, blue will never be new. It will always be classic. But I did, the past couple markets have just seen a lot of blue. And I think especially with kind of the indigo and shibori trend that's really popular now, that really deep, beautiful blue mm -hmm. has been everywhere. Yep. Yeah, um, there were some really beautiful fabric lines that were carrying through that blue tradition. Saw a lot of navy in quilts. And then a couple of publishing companies were also releasing some books that had blue and white quilts featured. So I think, once again, going back to that classics, blue and white is always beautiful. Yeah. And the two-color, I think, is a great um, combination with blue and white. I know a few years ago there was the fantastic red and white um, kind of revival that mirrored the um, special exhibit in New York City, but now we're kind of moving on to the blue and white, and I think it's another way to reinvent that classic. And I think blue, not only in the beautiful, almost denim, I think mm -hmm. a lot, you know, we're seeing a lot of work with denim as well, but all shades of blue, you know, from aquas and turquoises and teals, and, you know, I think it kind of depends on the time of year, so we see a lot of kind of soft and spa tones, maybe more in the springtime, but um, the deep blues, and I'm noticing that blues is a background instead of black. So where you may have seen like a background of a white with a print and a black with a print previously, now we're seeing them with like a white or a cream and then navy. And you really don't see as many black backgrounds as I have in the past. And I think too, like what you said, Jody, is it's maybe not, there's still a lot of solid white as the background, but I think we're moving towards those warmer neutrals like creams. 
um, instead of just the the popular white or grays we had been seeing in the past. Right. We've seen so much gray, I think, with mod. You know, we started out kind of seeing white, and then we saw gray in different shades. And I happen to see a lot of neutral in terms of tan, or almost like a couple companies even had cork as kind of like a background, and I saw them mixing that with their really saturated and bright colors. So I think it'll be interesting to see if we see more tan, khaki, cream as a background versus the gray in the next couple of years. Yeah, speaking of cork, there was actually cork fabric at market, and um, not just in the normal natural cork color, but it was in all colors, and you can sew with it, and I was seeing that a lot on accents on bags and, um, and different, some fun uses of cork. Yeah. And then back to the background color, I also noticed that um, using like a light yellow or almost a mustard color kind of along with that cream or tan in place of gray or the um, bright white. I mean, just a way to get to make it more neutral and more livable so your quilts can be, you know, anywhere in your home that has any style. The other thing I think we notice is motifs, and we've noticed things that continue to be strong, and we've noticed new things. So one of the things that I noticed that continues is the woodland animals. The fox, the owl, the hedgehog are still strong. Um, Elizabeth, what did you think about that? Yeah, um, I agree. I, so I continue to see a lot of those woodland creatures um, in some really fun ways. And then I think one of the newest motifs I saw as far as animals was llamas. They <laughs> seem to be everywhere. And um, if you go to Target or home decor places, you start seeing them in home trends. And I think that's starting to trickle down in the fabric. And I'm seeing a lot of llamas and other fun ways on fabric prints. Yeah. And I think that just kind of goes along with I felt like there was a little bit of a southwestern theme that was going along so I think the llamas or like Lisa you were saying that kind of like yellow color with like the dark navy kind of goes with that and cactus too I saw a lot of of succulents yep succulents and cactus so just maybe a little more southwest flair Um, another color trend I noticed, which I love being a child of the 80s, um, is I saw kind of a resurgence of the 80s. So like um, neons. neons, lots of neons and really bright colors, some um, cassette tape motifs and kind of roller skating, roller skating lots of things with or shoes and really sneakers. Good geometric prints. Mm-hmm. I saw kind of those like in your face, like bold. Yes, very bold and colorful. <laughs> kind of retro, but yeah. also refreshed yes. in different colors that, you know, kind of make it more current. Yeah, and, and livable too. They yeah. weren't like too too wild or too bold. And the thing I noticed too wasn't, it wasn't necessarily just the motifs in the fabric. It was also patterns as well. So like applique shapes that were in those same kind of things. Um, so that was really fun to see as I'm a little older in the demographic. So uh, I was actually graduating from high school and going to college in the 80s. And so it brought me back to my high school and college days. So it was fun for me to see some of those things swing back again. You know, we always talk about how, you know, something cycle through. And so it was fun to have lived it the first time. And now I get to live it the second time. <laughs> I think, too, like speaking of kind of the motifs we were seeing in home decor, like llamas um, make it into the fabric world. I feel like we've been seeing pineapples in stores a lot, like pineapple theme everything, and I think that has made it to the quilting world now, just yeah. both in terms of patterns and fabric, that like bright tropical feel. Yeah, anything tropical, flamingos, a little bit, the big banana leaves, um, 
are really fun too. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of grows on the nautical trend that we saw have a resurgence a few years ago and then you know always trends always have some variations as time progresses so I think that that pineapple and some of the leaves are a new way to do that. Yeah. Awesome. So we are going to take a quick commercial break and we will be back to talk a few more trends. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash Million Pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual Quilt Along by making a quilt, a one-block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus-sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. We are back with the editors talking about um, fabric and quilting trends. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the animals and the motifs we saw. And dogs and cats are always popular, I think. You know, people's pets are important to them. And so those are always really important motifs. But I feel like I saw more cats this time than I did dogs. Lots of cats, both realistic, whimsical, cartoony. It just seemed to be a whole run the whole gamut in terms of cat fabrics. I definitely have named this year the year of the cat. And I am a cat owner, so I am very excited. And I know like the cats have taken over the internet already. So now <laughs> they were going to take over quilting. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> and not only on fabric prints, but also um, pieced and applique patterns on quilts. Yeah, I mm -hmm. felt like every fabric company had a cat-specific line of fabric. Yep. You can kind of double dip and do cat fabric in a cat quilt and just be oh. a cat lover's dream. Mm -hmm. My mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> I think another strong trend that we saw um, was the acrylic templates. Uh, we saw a lot of designers that are doing patterns using um, their own acrylic templates that they're developing or having somebody produced for them, both uh, sets of acrylic templates, so maybe you get four or five in a set, or maybe just one or two larger templates that then you're using to fussy cut or maybe just make multiples, cut multiples of something. So, Lisa, did you see that too? I did see that, and that is something that we um, 
and specifically Lindsay always tries to highlight in our features section in American Patchwork and Quilting and Quilts and More, um, Sew in the Know and Stuff We Love, the product section. So make sure to keep an eye out for those in the section. And we know that our readers love tools and templates, but only if they're useful and time-saving and, you know, fairly easy to use because I think every one of us has a tool or a ruler or a template that we have, but we forget how to use it or, you know, it's it doesn't really save us time. So I think manufacturers and quilters, consumers, are always looking for ways to make the process easier and more successful. And I think that's what I'm really excited about with these acrylic templates is that the designers that are making them are now doing such a great job at, one, producing a lot of patterns that use the template so you can, you know, think of ways to use it in more than just one pattern, but also just the education part of it, too. So they're kind of doing the legwork of, you know, showing you in blog posts or videos how to use the tool, but also providing a wide range of patterns and different looks for you to use the tool. So you're, you are really getting the most bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, um, storage is always important to a lot of people. So if that tool or that template can, like we said, serve multiple purposes, it's going to make its way into my sewing room. Um, but if it, you know, if it only does one certain thing, it may not make it there. (laughs) Another trend that I noticed or saw was a continuing trend, I think, and that's people wanting to do handwork, handwork on the go, personalized. So we saw lots of great threads and embroidery flosses and patterns for that. But I think also the English paper piecing method of putting things together has uh, really exploded. It's gone beyond hexagons and um, making little table toppers or little pin cushions. There are people making full-size quilts using English paper piecing method, and it's a great on-the-go thing when you don't necessarily have access to your machine. You can pick up those pieces and um, sew them as you're sitting at a ball game or you're waiting at an airport or a doctor's office. Um, I know it's one of the, my favorite things to do, and I know some of the other staff have started picking up doing some of it too. Anybody else want to talk about English paper piecing or anything that um, like you're so on the go or things that you're doing this summer that you saw you know you maybe saw at market that you're like oh my gosh that would be a great thing for me to add to my either so on the go or individualize um, like the new threads and flosses that we saw. New needles um, I think there's a tool for kind of every floss and needle out there and so I think that also makes the job much easier. I've um, just jumped I haven't gotten into paper piecing yet but I'm sure I will fall victim soon but I'm doing a lot of embroidery especially this summer because it's something that I don't have to work with you know hot heavy fabric I can just do it when I'm traveling Um, and I'm just always so impressed at the amount of colors and the quality of thread that's out there now I mean we, we're lucky in our um, crafts lab that we have every color of Cosmo thread, which is so amazing. And when I go to pick out thread colors, I'm like, you know, holding threads up to the light, trying to compare 
colors because there's so many different options for each color. So I just think, you know, it, we've advanced so much and we have so many options now for any need you might have for that stuff. And I think the thing to remember is you don't necessarily have to have a pattern to do embroidery or to kind of do a stitch sample. There's a lot of really great florals out there and they're big florals. And if you don't know what to do with a big floral, cut a piece of it and then just add some embroidery to it. Try some different stitches out. We have a lot of stitches available on allpeoplequilt.com and you can just go in there and search for stitches or embroidery stitches and see some really nice videos that have been done on that and just embroider a piece of a pretty floral and then turn it into a pillow or a wall quilt wall hanging um, that's also a fun way to just personalize something and nobody else is going to have a piece of home decor like that because you've done it with your fabric selection your embroidery floss selection your stitch selection so it's one of a kind and if you don't need one for yourself make it as a gift for somebody and there are some great stitch sampler patterns and if you want to you know practice your skills and get used to doing some of the stitches doing a stitch sampler really helps hone your skills so give you that have a little tool. Sue Spargo one. I do have my <laughs> Sue Spargo one it's a work in progress it's something that I started a while ago and I love it um I just I don't so much on the go I want to be at the machine and like pedal to the metal buzzing through but it is a great project um, for on the go and like Jody was saying earlier we do have a number of stitches um, hand embroidery stitches with illustration diagrams on our website and I know there are a lot of books out there that will help with your embroidery skills too yeah and uh, speaking of Sue Spargo um, we also continue to see a lot of companies delving into the wool and just more and more beautiful colors of wool um, coming through. So that's a great for handwork too. Or if you've never gotten into applique, maybe start with some wool applique because it's a great place to get started. And we'll talk a little bit about this uh, in the next couple segments, but we've got a project in American Patchwork and Quilting in August that you could give a try if you're looking at wool. And I think when we think of wool, we think traditionally maybe more country or more traditional colors, but we really are seeing a lot of the saturated bright colors as well. So I really do think there's something out there for anybody. Wool is very forgiving. You don't have to worry about those seam allowances or raveling. You can cut, especially if it's felted wool, um, and you can just sew right along the edge and you don't have to worry about those seam allowances. So it's a great option if you've never tried applique before. And it looks beautiful paired with cotton too. I love the combination together. Awesome. So we would love to know what trends you are seeing in the quilting industry. So feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page, our Instagram, and let us know. We are always on the lookout. So we are going to switch gears a little bit here and talk about um, one of our magazine's Quilt Sampler. And we still are on with Lisa, the editor of Quilt Sampler, and Elizabeth, the, the designer of Quilt Sampler. Mm -hmm. um, Lisa, do you want to give a little bit overview of what Quilt Sampler is for those that have never picked one up before? Sure. So Quilt Sampler magazine is published twice a year. It, um, we have a spring-summer issue, which goes on newsstands and local quilt shops in early May, and then a fall-winter issue, which um, hits stores in early September. So in each issue of Quilt Sampler, we feature 10 amazing quilt shops in North America, and then also a project um, from each shop, an exclusive project from the shop. Yeah, and it's such a fun and unique magazine because... 
Uh, we actually, uh, once we pick the, the shops, we pick them as a staff, and we notify them, and it's really fun to hear those phone calls go out when they, they find out they've been selected. And then um, we actually go with a, a team, a photographer, an assistant, and um, a staff person. We go, and we'll actually um, shoot their their store, get to meet those owners in person, maybe even do a little shopping ourselves. That's and, right, yeah. And have a great time. Yep. It's really a celebration of shops and local quilt. Uh, shop owners and um, supporting the local quilting industry and that's really what we want to do through the pages of the magazine and then also at market when we're meeting the shop owners we're we're just really celebrating the local quilt shop so it's a it's a great tool to use and we know that people use the magazine on their personal road trips and when they're planning uh, their summer or winter vacations um, really just kind of using it as a map and finding shops to visit along the way. Yeah, I know um, we've heard from lots of readers that tend to keep each issue, and as they're planning their family vacations, they'll pull out those magazines and find ways to stop along the road. I know my mom and aunt have both called me from the road trips and asked me where a local quilt shop is um, that has been featured in Quilt Sampler, so they love to hit up those shops. Yep, it's a handy tool for shopping anywhere in the Mm -hmm. U.S. or Canada. Um, And if you guys are interested for our... 20th anniversary of Quilt Sampler, we did publish a um, little booklet that listed every open, still open, shop that had ever been featured in Quilt Sampler. Um, and I I can double I can double check this and post a link in the podcast notes. Um, but I think if you just look up Quilt Sampler Passport um, on our website, allpeoplequilt.com, that will give you a little download. And it's so handy if you are playing, you can just leave it in your car and Anytime you're in a new city, check out if there's one near you. There you go. And, yeah, always check to make sure that, you know, they're open and want to know their hours um, just because shop hours vary. And um, But it's a great tool to use on the road trip. And coming up in a little bit, we will give you some information about, um, you know, talking to your favorite shop owner and or if you are an owner, how to nominate your shop because we're always looking for Um, shops to feature in any style and um, we want to see what what you have to offer perfect so we will be back after the commercial break with lisa and elizabeth boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of american patchwork and quilting visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. 
and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. I'm back with Lisa and Elizabeth chatting about Quilt Sampler Magazine. So, Lisa, let me know. We don't just choose random shops. They, there's a process to go through. There is a process. And for everyone out there listening, shop owners and uh, quilting customers, here's the info. Um, go to allpeoplequilt.com slash nomination. And we'll have a list. We do have a list of kind of do's and don'ts, some helpful tips on how to nominate your own shop. So if you're a shop owner, we want to hear from you. We also have the exact list of questions yes. we ask, so you can do some pre-planning. Yep. So, yeah, that way you can kind of think about your answers. And we also ask for a number of photos so we can see what your shop looks like, both inside and out, because we want to, you know, know the visual and your story. So that's really what we focus on in the magazine, you know, in every issue. That's right. And um, we do, um, we have simplified the process to an online application. So we think um, that just makes it a little bit easier. But if you still are not comfortable with the online application process, we do still accept, um, you know, mailed in submissions with the entry form. And you can also mail us those images as well if you print them out. So both ways come to us and we review them all as a staff. Um, one tip that we do have is that we go, do go through hundreds of applications each time. And if you've submitted in the past, continue to submit. Just make sure that we have the most current images and information of your staff because things change over the years and we need to know about those changes. And um, we do uh, have a lot to go through. So I think we've kind of got it down to a process, but the very first round um, we are going through, we have about seven minutes with each application and each submission. So if you can give us that quick and easy what we need to know, what's important to you, that really helps us. And then after we go through the first round, we definitely look at things a little bit closer from there. Yep. And uh, as Elizabeth was saying, you know, if you've nominated in the past and haven't been selected, um, be sure to nominate yourself again because, you know, we have to get a mix of shops that represent different styles um, we want to have a good geographic balance, so we have shops from all over the U.S. and Canada. So sometimes, you know, it's not a specific reason that your shop is not getting um, selected. It's, you know, it's a number of reasons, and we, we really try to make a balance for the magazine in order to make the readers happy, and, you know, that way our readers can go on a road trip and hit all parts of of the North America. Yeah, and we know quilt shops um, are destination places too. So people not just going on vacations, but also people are willing to travel a long distance to go to a great quilt shop. So tell us what makes your shop worth traveling to. So we have that as one of our our questions. If someone's going to drive 100 miles to get to your quilt shop, what makes your shop unique? And we know that a lot of shops do a wonderful job at customer service. But if you can dig a little deeper and tell us something more um, unique than that, maybe you're great at teaching classes. Maybe you have an amazing staff that just specializes in certain areas. Um, maybe you have a local designer that you work with, or you have a designer in staff that carries patterns that only exist at your store. Those are the kind of things that we really want to know, and that can really highlight the uniqueness of your shop. Yep, and also um, if you're active in the community, if you um, do charitable programs or 
Also, we want to know about your classes and, you know, what you're doing to help continue quilting in your community because really that's what a lot of quilting is about is building relationships within your community, both your local customers and people that travel from, you know, near and far to visit your shop. Mm -hmm. And I know we've gotten a lot of questions over the years about photography. Um, When we are featured, when you're featured and selected to be in the magazine, we do send a professional photographer and staff um, member to come and photograph the store. And we um, just want to make your store look the best it can. But I know that could be intimidating to take photos of your own store and send them in for the submission process. But we just have a couple suggestions that might help you there. Um, Maybe before you start taking the photos, they do not need to be taken by a professional, you can take them yourself or someone on staff. Um, so we just want to eliminate the pressure right there. We're we're not expecting those to be the ones that make it in the magazine. Yep. They just need to show us a great um, overview of your store. So if you could take a couple pictures of the exterior, maybe a couple pictures of an overview so we can see the scale of your store. Um, and then maybe just focus on a couple really unique displays. The, those are the kind of things we're looking for. Um, we all know that quilt stores have a lot of fabric and probably have those beautiful displays of thread, but those aren't really what makes your store unique. So if you could really focus on those displays um, and how what you do well, what you do merchandising well, those are the kind of things that will help you stand out as well. And maybe take a look through the, the past issue and kind of get inspiration and see what we're looking for when we come and photograph. So that might help you a little bit when you're trying to focus on what to photograph for your application. Yep. And just another thing to note, we know not all shops um, can have an overall picture because, you know, there are some that uh, are contained within many rooms or in an old house, you know, Mm -hmm. that is divided up. So, you know, we don't judge um, or select photos only on you know, the not the uh, type of photo that you take. We, we really want all kinds of shops. So, you know, sometimes we know not an overall is possible. So just give us a variety and really what makes your store special. That's what we want to see. Yeah. And I also want to remind um, people that the due date for the 2018 issues is July 15th of 2017. So that's coming up really soon. So um, make sure to look at all the questions that we're asking. And and they're not difficult questions or we're not asking for, you know, super long essays. It's really kind of the basics about your Mm -hmm. shop, um, kind of why you opened a shop, what inspires you to keep going, how you better the community and, you know, what you do for for other quilters in your area. So I would just say, like, I'm sure most of the people listening right now um, are probably not quilt shop owners, right. although we would all hope we are. So um, you should encourage your quilt shop owners. They have to fill out the nominations themselves. Um, but I know we get a lot of emails saying, like, you should feature this shop, and we love knowing that, and we can reach out to them. But it will be better coming from some of their customers if to encourage them. You guys know the shop better than we do. Right. Yeah. Some people just see that encouragement. Maybe they haven't even considered it in the past because they're humble or, you know, various reasons. But if you really encourage them um, and think it's a wonderful quilt shop, let them know so they can um, apply and hopefully be featured someday soon. Yeah, that's great. And and we have talked to shop owners that, you know, that was exactly the case, that, 
you know, they had applied in the past and it didn't work out just because of timing reasons for us to select them, but then their shop, some of their customers um, asked them or encouraged them to nominate themselves again, and then later they were chosen. So we're so happy that people are diligent and reapply. So we really want to see what what your favorite shop has to offer. Mm-hmm. And um, we get a, another question we get a lot is, you know, my shop hasn't been open for very long. Should I still apply? Yes, we consider shops from that have been open for, we just featured one in this last issue that's been open for more than 40 years, I believe. Yep. Um, and we also shop, um, feature shops that have been around for, you know, two years or are kind of new. But we kind of want that variety, and it's exciting to see what, New people are opening shops, but also to, you know, look back at those shops that have been around and have that, that great tradition yep. and to really honor them yeah, and as we, well. We also try to represent a variety of styles. So we have some shops that carry a little bit of everything as far as their uh, fabric and fabric selection and notions go. Um, but then there are other shops that really focus on reproduction prints and more traditional patterns and then there are others that are super modern and bright so we really want to see um, you know we know that all of our readers of our magazine and quilting customers they're they have a variety of tastes and styles so no matter what type of um, fabric you carry or patterns or which way you lean we want to see what your shop has to offer Mm -hmm. Okay, we have a few minutes left. Does anyone have a great story, a heartwarming or funny story to share about a quilt sampler shop? Oh, there's so many good ones. Um, I just, I love how when we go, we get to spend two days with them typically, and we have dinner with the shop owners and just really get to know them and know their personal story. I think one thing that always stands out to me um, is I love hearing their stories about how they got into quilting. So many times it's shop owners that this is their dream, and they maybe were a former teacher or worked in, you know, a dental facility, you know, a dental hygienist or something, and their their outlet was quilting, and then finally they got the opportunity to open up a store, and it was their dream. And they, or, you know, they've, they thought this would be their retirement, but all of a sudden they're finding out they're working harder right. than ever. I think we know that quilt shop owners work really hard and provide a great service to their community. So I love hearing those stories. Yeah, and as Elizabeth was saying, many times um, it's the shop owner's second career. So, um, but we also know that they're savvy business owners, which is good for um, customers because they're always, you know, we see a lot of them at Quilt Market. They're always looking for trends and the latest fabrics to purchase and um, designers to feature uh, their patterns in their stores. So, you know, um, no matter how each shop owner got into quilting, whether it was, you know, starting in 4-H as a project or kind of as their second career and just a dream, not really knowing what they're getting into, I think uh, through the years they've all learned to be savvy business people, which is is great for mm-hmm. the industry. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. So make sure you visit your local quilt shop and encourage them to nominate pick up the newest issue of Quilt Sampler, the spring-summer issue. It's on newsstands now, and we will be back with the next segment talking about quilting. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com 
backslash APQ Magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Hi, and welcome back to the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast sponsored by Moda Fabrics. I am here with Jody Sanders, who is the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and we are going to end the show by talking about our newest issue. It's the August 2017 issue, and it's on newsstands now. And what you want to be looking for is a cover that has two small mini quilts. They're blue and white. Uh, they were designed by Carrie Nelson and Miss Rosie's. And we love Carrie's design. She's always doing new and interesting things. Uh, one thing we can count on from Carrie that it's going to be a great scrappy quilt, and it's also um, going to just be a really interesting design. So what we uh, worked with Carrie on is having two mini quilts quilts that use the triangle square unit and putting those together in different ways to get two different quilts. Uh, the fabrics, they're blue and white. It's a mix of Minnick and Simpson collections for Moda. And they're just really classic uh, fabrics and a classic color combination. Uh, the uh, color options that are in the issue I think are really interesting that Laura did as well. One is solids with a red and a cream and then the other one is done in batiks. So no matter what your style or genre of fabrics you like, I think people will like these particular quilts that are on our cover. And I do want to just kind of talk a minute or two about mini quilts. And I know for me, there's a couple different reasons I like mini quilts. Number one, it gives me an opportunity to work out some of those designs that I want to do. I don't know about you, but I have so many ideas of quilts that I want to make. And a mini quilt gives me the opportunity to work some of that out. Um, it may be a new cutting technique. It may be a new fabric combination. Um, and I just love working out ideas in mini quilts. And then they make great artwork that you can finish. They make really nice gifts to give to people. I have quite a few unfinished tops, so they make up a big portion of my UFO list. And one of the things I'm thinking about doing with them is actually putting them all together in one big quilt. That's and fun. It, yeah, it would be almost like a sampler quilt of all the different mini quilts that I've made over the years. And I'll just have to sit down kind of on graph paper and figure out the different sizes and maybe adding some sashing or a row of some pieced um, segments that then it will all fit together. But that kind of leads me to my other point. of I know some people don't like mini quilts because they don't see the point of them. It's like, why would I want to make something that's so small? I can't cuddle up with it. I can't put it on my bed. I don't understand the point. But again, earlier, like I talked about, you know, it's maybe working out a design idea. It's maybe working out a color combination or a fabric combination that you want to try. And I think the thing about mini quilts is you could try that out without a lot of time investment and a lot of money investment. So you do it on a smaller scale. And the quilts that Carrie made actually with the triangle squares, there's no reason you couldn't just make that a bigger size. So instead of having a one and a half inch finished square, you make your triangle square six inches finished and then it just makes the design itself bigger so you could have the same pattern 
but just make it in a bigger size and you would just have to you know calculate your yardages accordingly but um, I personally love mini quilts and I guess that's a couple of the reasons I have them in my home up as artwork and I love giving them away as gifts to friends and I think for me the reason I love them I mean I've only been quilting for five years but I already feel like I have enough throws to cuddle up with um, where I switch my you know little table toppers or you know dresser quilts out seasonally or even more often so having those mini quilts around just gives me more decorating options. I think that's a great point that you can you know make them in holiday themed fabrics and then switch them out whenever you're and like you said they don't all have to go up on the wall they can be table toppers or just decorative things maybe that you roll up in a basket um, things like that so we we love mini quilts and uh, we know that you're going to love the ones that are on the cover of our August 2017 issue. We also are talking about pre-cuts in the issue. We know that that's something that people love to use pre-cuts. And actually in the quilts that Carrie made, she used uh, the mini charms, which are two and a half inch squares, and the charm squares, which are five inch. And she actually used some leftovers and mixed and matched them together, which I think is a great way to use those leftovers or scraps that you might have from other projects that you didn't use. So it's it's great for things like that. Um, in addition to two and a half inch and five inch charm squares, we also have quilts in the issue that use fat quarters. Uh, we have one that used fat eights. And so there's lots of options for different kinds of pre-cuts. Uh, we've got a story in the issue that shows you different ways to cut them up and different tools or templates that are available. It's kind of a market that's grown out of when pre-cuts were initially introduced. So it's been fun to see um, kind of secondary businesses that have been developed on. And we know there are dozens of books even that have been written about pre-cuts. Lindsay, do you have a favorite pre-cut? You know, I collect mini charms and charm squares because they're so cute and they're cheap when you go to your quilt store. Um, But I have to say I don't use them very often. They're just pretty things I display. Um, I do like fat quarters just because they have the most versatility, I think, in terms of what I would need. And the thing that I like about the pre-cuts is that it's also a grouping of fabric that's been selected for you. So if you're somebody that has difficulty putting fabrics together or you're challenged about, I don't know if this color goes with this color or I I don't really know, do I need a big floral and a stripe and a tone on tone? If that's difficult for you to do, pre-cuts are a great option because they give you such a variety and it's been curated by the designer. So it's already been looked at by the designer, by the fabric company, and they feel like it's a great combination to offer to their consumers. So that's another benefit of pre-cuts. I think the thing to remember is in most cases for pre-cuts, especially the smaller pieces, you're probably not going to be able to pre-wash those unless you do them by hand. You'll end up with a lot of raveling. So I'm thinking particularly of like the two and a half inch wide strips or the smaller charm pieces, Uh, if you throw those all in the laundry and wash and dry them, you probably are going to end up with a lot of raveling and you might not be very happy. So if you're a pre-washer, sometimes you have to hand wash those pieces or maybe that isn't the best option for you. But I I know there are a lot of people who uh, don't pre-wash and love the pre-cuts just the way they are and will just open that bundle and start cutting right away. So I think that's uh, a terrific option for people who maybe have difficulty pulling fabric groups together. 
We've got a really fun project in issue as well that's a scissors or sheer cover. I love this one. It's made by um, Lisa DeB Schiller, was actually the designer, and she came up with four different applique uh, shapes that she's using as kind of the cover on these scissor covers that we have. And they're just really fun, a little bit retro in terms of the applique design she's using. Um, the little stork scissors and a couple other specialty scissors as the applique piece. Uh, Lisa happened to do hers using the freezer paper method of applique for appliquing her shapes down. But we also have a color option from our quilt tester, Laura, Laura Benke. And Laura actually machine sewed her pieces using wool. So if you're somebody who doesn't like to do needle turn applique or you don't want to do raw edge necessarily and that's something that that you steer clear of. I think the color option is certainly um, a terrific opportunity to still make the project, but when you're using felted wool, you don't have to worry about that raveling. And so Laura just cut the pieces out of the wool and then mach machine stitched them down. And I think that's a really nice option for people who don't necessarily care for And I think applique. this project, too, I mean, Christmas in July right now, so if you're people that like to plan early for your Christmas presents, this is such a good one. It would be so cute to make them up with, you know, the scissor preference of your sewing buddy's choice and hand those out at Christmas for their... <laughs> it's a their great one to make in. multiples of. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, you know, the, the actual shape of the project itself, you could put any kind of applique design you wanted or use a really fun print and you wouldn't even have to do the applique That's part true. of it. So just making the scissor cover itself um, would be a really fun option as well. And we're continuing our soak giving uh, when we talked about the charity quilts, comfort quilts that uh, we've been giving people the patterns for this year. That has continued to be a really popular column for us. And in addition to having the quilt size itself, we're also giving three additional sizes. Uh, so there's usually a smaller baby size. There's a, a maybe a little bit bigger, maybe toddler size, and then also more like a twin bed size. So there's different options depending on um, which size you want to make for the particular group that you might be making it for. And then we're also including a pillowcase pattern uh, for you to go online to the One Million Pillowcase Pattern site, and that's allpeoplequilt.com, and then it's back, back slash splat. Backspace, <laughs> um, million pillowcases. And this particular one is pattern 51. And we just think it's a really fun way to give your quilt is to make a coordinating or matching pillowcase for it to go in. And just remember as you're um, making those pillowcases to go online and add those to the counter. We just have been so thrilled with the number of people that have been participating in the Million Pillowcase. And we want to continue to include the pillowcases that you're making in our count. So continue to do that. Uh, that particular pattern is called Make the Connection. And it's by uh, Joe Kramer and Kelly Hankin of Joe's Country Junction. 
And again, a pattern that is probably simpler to make for most of our readers. It's primarily squares and rectangles, and so it goes together pretty quickly, but certainly it's a great scrap buster. You could use all different kinds of fabrics in making that quilt, and it just is a really fun one to do. Uh, we also have our what we're calling our flashback quilt, which happens to be a Jacob's Ladder quilt that was originally published in December of 2004, and it was an antique quilt um, from quilt collector Libby Lowe, and it was remade in a very scrappy version. So the original was just a two-color cheddar and muslin quilt, which is very graphic and actually looks very contemporary now, I think, I, yeah. as a two-color quilt. And then what we did to make it just look a little different is for those of you who love scrappy quilts, uh, we used a variety of fabrics from Paula Barnes for Marcus to uh, make kind of the update, which actually kind of looks a little more traditional maybe than the actual antique quilt itself. And Jody, do you want to explain why we're doing the flashback quilt? Yeah, thank you. Um, we are looking back at quilts that we have published in previous issues, and it's all gearing toward our 25th anniversary issue in 2018. And that's going to be the April issue of 2018. That's our 25th anniversary, which is really exciting. And we're just taking a look back at some of the most popular patterns Patterns that we have published in the past that people want to make and so it's just a great way for us to revisit some of those great patterns and maybe remake them in more modern fabrics or just give them a different take a different look and so that's been really fun for us as a staff to be able to go back and look at all of those great quilts that we've published and ones that we may want to update and we do have all of the patterns for American Patchwork and Quilting and Quilts and More are available on what we call the archive, and that's a new thumb drive. And maybe, Lindsay, you can talk a little bit more about that. You've worked on that quite a bit. Sure. So the archive is the complete history of American Patchwork and Quilting and Quilts and More on a handy thumb drive. So you can just install it in your, to your computer and look up every single pattern that was ever published in these issues. And we update it yearly, so you always will be up to date. Um, and you can you can purchase that on apqshop.com. I think it's a great resource. And there's just, you know, more than a thousand patterns available there, so you will never get bored. So, Pat will be back next week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And the editors will, I'm sure, be on soon talking about our 25th anniversary. Yay! Everyone have a good week. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thank you.